Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Ethanic Cormick. In this episode, we are remembering the Donegal fiddle player Jimmy Campbell, who died recently. On the 22nd of January last, Jimmy Campbell, a great Donegal fiddle player, died suddenly, leaving a huge void for his family and his friends, of course, but also for music in Donegal and for fiddle music in general. Born into a musical family in 1937, he and his brothers, including the late Vincent Campbell, were absorbing music well, from the time they were very, very young. And this early immersion in music made Jimmy Campbell a crucial and a valuable link between musicians like Mickey Darty and John Darty, who would have been regular visitors to his home and then to today's generation of fiddle players. He lived in Scotland and in England for over 30 years before moving back to Ireland. And since then, he played a huge role in the life of traditional music in Donegal and further afield. In a moment, I'll be speaking to his friend and fellow fiddle player Quivine Mackey about Jimmy Campbell himself and about his music. But first, here he is with his version of the tune Maggie Piggy. Maggie Picky there, played by Jimmy Campbell. Um, Quivy Mackey, thanks very much for being with us on The Rolling Wave. And I know that Jimmy Campbell was a great friend of yours. When did you first meet him or do you remember when you first came across him? I do. I remember it quite well. Um, for most of us in Donegal, um, it was a late awareness of Jimmy outside of his family and the, the community in the Crows, where he was a native. The Crow have got him or the, the Blue Stack Mountains, as it's known, the Crows here in Donegal. Um, Jimmy would have emigrated uh, in his teenage years to Scotland to work on the hydroelectric um, dam schemes in the in the Highlands, as I said, and from there moved to London, settling in Slough, where he would have married um, uh, his lifetime partner and love of his life, uh, Yvonne, a wonderful woman. And they had uh, uh, one son uh, and four daughters and um, raised the family there in Slough. And it was only uh, now Jimmy would have returned during the summer, uh, during the summer months on holidays with the family. But as he was, you know, with, with, with the family, he wasn't in a position to go gallivanting around the country. So he he stayed pretty much in the Crows areas when he came home during the summers. And uh, he would have visited and played with people of an older generation that he grew up with. And these would have been his mentors and heroes musically and, and culturally in terms of the richness of their, their storytelling and, and folklore. Um, it was very much a community, not of the, the current time period or modern life, if you like. So we didn't really get to know him um, when he would be coming home. It was only when he retired. Well, I should say probably the one person who did know him well during those years would have been Danny Meehan. Uh, and Danny was very uh, admiring of the Campbells and great friends with Jimmy because they were there in London together. Mm. But um, it was only when he came home and retired 
that most of us here in Donegal got to know Jimmy and he was an easy man to know. We got to know him almost immediately. And I remember uh, specifically the, the, the first time that I, that I got to uh, meet, him, uh, meet him and chat with him and, and sit down and play tunes. Um, the word had come out that uh, he had retired and had come back to the Crows. And we heard from his brother Vincent that they were going down to uh, Carrick to play the music weekend. So we knew Vincent very, very well, and he was an astonishing player. And we thought, well, look, you know, if he's anything like Vincent, we're going to have to meet this fellow. It was mandatory. <laughs> so uh, down to Carrick, uh, and I think a whole lot of us were very excited about the, the prospect of meeting him. And we, we, we weren't let down. Um, as we came to know, we, he was, you could meet him immediately and befriend him immediately. That was the, the openness and generosity and wonder of the individual. He, he was a, uh, a very kind fella. He was, he was great fun, absolute tremendous fun. Uh, if you were in his company, you were guaranteed a good time. And uh, that's the way it was, literally from the first instant of meeting him to the last second that I would have uh, shared his company. Um, you mentioned his brother Vincent and, uh, you know, he was from a big family of fiddle players. Tell me a little bit about his his background, his musical and family background. Yeah, the, the, the Campbells were a family uh, who who uh, lived in the Crows, as I said. Uh, Jimmy and Vincey and Columba played as well. Charlie played as well. The, the other brothers would be Eugene and Josie. They're, they're tremendously musical people, whether they played or they didn't. Um, but as I said, they grew up in a house with their father, Peter, being a very good player. Their house was literally like Grand Central Station for fiddle players of that of that generation when, when Jimmy would have been growing up. The Doherty's, uh, both Mickey and John, would have been regular visitors to the house. And those players, those two individuals, as well as others in the family, were epic players, le- legendary players. And they grew up with tradition in, in the air around them. That, 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 that's the environment they grew up in. As I said, the Crows, at the time of their young life, uh, was very much a place, it was depopulating, but it had an unbelievably rich culture of an old tradition uh, of the language, of folklore, lore, uh, storytelling, mythology, music, dance, singing. A rich culture just permeated the air. Mm. For anybody who, who would maybe have a difficulty grasping how rich it was. If you read anything by Sean O'Hockey, when he's speaking about the richness of folklore, which he collected from the number of uh, limited number of individuals in the Crows, that's the environment they grew up with. Um, clearly no, no television, no radio, no internet, no multimedia or you know, uh, social media or any of that. What was the unelectric or non-electric picnic for them was sitting around a fire in, in, in the company of neighbours and somebody just simply opening a fiddle case. Mm. And then that was it. You know, the, the joy, the wonder, the celebration of life uh, began. And it, it was simple, but it was beautiful and great fun. And that's what they grew up with. And for somebody like, like the, the, the current generation of players who didn't have access to that lifestyle, we were when you met Jimmy, when you met Vincent and their their father Peter. When you when you met these individuals, you were literally going back in time. They were effectively time machines because they could, in a real palpable sense, take you back to a time that you we grew up dreaming of. Mm. But they lived it. That was the difference. They lived it, and 
it was almost tangible, the experience coming off them. Uh, and when, when you got to, to play with them as well, you realised you were getting something from a, from a different time period. We heard uh, Maggie Pickey at the, the start of the, the programme. We might hear another tune. You have one here selected called The Marine. Tell me about this tune. Yeah, the marine. Um, the marine was uh, a dance which came from. It came back from Scotland. The marine refers to the marine ballroom, which was a huge ballroom complex in Edinburgh, and if you like, for um, for country people, both Irish and Scottish people from the rural environments, coming into urbanised Scotland for labour. The, the one connection that they had, social connection with, with fun and enjoyment, was dancing, traditional dancing. And the Marine Ballroom specialised in that. They had a modern area for dancing and a traditional area for dancing, but they, they needed to be able to teach the dances to people. And there was, uh, there was a dance teacher there, an Irish dance teacher, and one of the things to get people to keep coming back would be to teach new dances. And this uh, dance teacher there taught this dance to that tune and not having a name they simply called it for PR purposes the marine so the marine was both a dance and the specific tune associated with it and again we're we're grateful to the likes of uh, Jimmy and and Vincy for having had their Scottish experience and bringing that music home to us and that's where that tune comes from. Jimmy Campbell there playing a tune called The Marine. Um, Cuevi Maki, I'm curious as in, um, because you were talking about Jimmy Campbell and people like him, I suppose, being a, a connection to the past and having a, a very strong connection to the past and to, you know, even fiddle players like Mickey and John Doherty. Um, but the stories of the tunes, I mean, you had the story of that tune, The Marine, as well as taking the tunes, did they take the stories, did they keep the stories with them and the, the folklore of the tunes as well? Was that as important as the, the melodies? Absolutely. Um, as I said, growing up in that traditional culture where uh, folklore, storytelling, mythology, the music and the dance is all connected. There, there is no disjoint between any of it. People were expected to and it was quite natural. Um, some people could misinterpret players like, like the Campbells and the Doherty's and, and say, you know, the, the, there, was, there was a kind of a stage format that they had, but it wasn't um, at all by any means because they grew up with that. It was expected if you were going to play a tune. It was expected, even if the audience, even if the people gathered in the kitchen knew the story behind it, you were expected to to tell the story again. And storytelling to them was a tremendous skill. It was a very honed, very sophisticated skill. And they grew up learning that. And they had that. The Campbells had that. And it was for them, very important to um, to be able to, to, to transmit that history and the folklore and the reason behind the tune. It was every bit as important for them to give that to the audience as it was to play the tune. Mm. If anybody ever saw the Campbells or the Doherty's play and do that, you can see that you can see how wondrous the experience for an audience was. I can remember very specifically arriving to play a concert with them in Edinburgh, which was effectively the Scottish National Fid Weekend. 
and we, we arrived somewhat late, which is a whole different funny story. <laughs> and it, and despite being late, it, 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 was, it was amazing because within seconds, they had won the audience back immediately. And again, it was, it was done by, them, by, by Jimmy and, and Vinci just naturally starting to tell stories behind the music and their experience working in the, the Highlands uh, dam schemes. And th- this, you know, this was a Scottish experience being told by two of own men to a Scottish audience, <laughs> and they were enraptured yeah. uh, w- within seconds. Uh, it, it was, it was an astonishing thing to experience to be sitting there and, from the start, having to win back your audience, uh, and and see it being done literally within seconds. But it was the uniqueness of those individuals. But it was a natural. It was a natural thing. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a theatrical performance. It was as natural for them to tell a story behind the tune and then play the tune as it was to take breath. Amazing. Um, you, you were talking about Danny Meehan, who was a great friend of Jimmy Campbell's in London, because Jimmy went to Scotland. Did he, did he settle eventually in London? And, and what did he do while he was there? I mean, was he playing much music or was he working or what was, what was his job for all those years? Yeah, um, uh, when he had left Scotland, uh, he went he went to London and he settled in Slough, and Jimmy worked in in construction. He was a big, powerful fella, and construction suited him. Mm. He, he was most certainly active in the traditional music scene, but again, as a family man with um, with five of a family, you could only be so active. Um, you know, you have uh, work responsibilities and family responsibilities, but. He he had he had a a very specific circle of friends, uh, Paddy Conroy, who was a who was an accordion player. He was very close with Paddy. Paddy was from Connemara, and uh, another great friend of Jimmy's. Uh, he was very close on a personal level with him. Was uh, the, the unbelievable fiddle player from Armagh, uh, Brendan McGlinchey. Mm. Naturally, Jimmy would have had a great uh, affinity for Danny Meehan, being a fellow Donegal man and a and a great great player. Mm. But um, uh, he, he did do a small bit of touring. There was a very famous tour of the Channel Island jersey um, where uh, Paddy Conroy and Brendan and Jimmy went out. And, uh, and this big world tour of a small, Ireland, uh, of a small island took place. And uh, Jimmy always fondly remembered that. But I can remember Jimmy actually once um, during a, uh, a concert weekend in... Uh, during the Cardis and Fidgelary weekend in October in Glenties, um, introducing Brendan uh, McGlinchey after Brendan returned to play fiddle again after a number of years break. And I remember Brendan walked on stage and he sat down in front of the microphone and leaned in. And we were expecting, you know, great music and things. And the first thing he said, uh, having been introduced by Jimmy, he just leaned into the microphone and said, isn't that a wonderful man? <laughs> and and it was, you know, it, it was what we all felt really. Um, there's, I suppose, a connection to London in this next tune. It's the it's a three part version of the Mountain Road. Tell me about this version and and where Jimmy got it. Yeah, the Mountain Road uh, was a, I suppose, started out as a two part tune, as composed by Michael Gorman, and the Mountain Road refers to. Uh, a long road around the Tubbercurry uh, area, which was uh, Michael Gorman's native area. But Jimmy knew uh, Michael Gorman in London, uh, and they, you know, they would have been well acquainted and uh, comfortable in each other's company. But as it turned out, um, Jimmy was home on holiday, 
and for some reason um, decided to get down to Milltown Malbay just for, um, there, was, there was no great musical event on at the time. Uh, so he went down to Milltown Malbay and who did he meet but Michael? And they were they were chatting away and, and, and playing and, you know, enjoying each other's company. But Michael, uh, Michael started playing the Mountain Road and uh, he, he played it and taught it to Jimmy. But um, by this stage, there was the third part to it. Now, it's gone on to become a seven, eight, nine, ten part reel with all the variations added on to it. But at that stage, it was only a three part tune. And the interesting thing about it is the third part which Michael taught to Jimmy and Jimmy plays in this in this recording uh, is one of the parts that has been subsequently lost. Um, other than Jimmy, uh, I don't know anyone who plays that third part of the tune, even in the extended versions of the tune. OK, let's have a listen to it. Road, and uh, we're here on the Rolling Wave talking to Quivian Mucky about the late Jimmy Campbell. Um, Quivian, when you listen to Jimmy playing there, what stands out for you about his playing, and what makes him identifiable, I suppose, for you? Jimmy's playing is is very rooted in a Donegal style, if we can if we can speak about that. His bowing technique was was very detaché or producing staccato notes. In other words, uh, playing. Uh, a different bow stroke for each note that you're going to play. And there's a tremendous challenge in that. And that is to make the music not sound choppy, Mm. but to put a rhythm in it. And the one thing that stands out in Jimmy's playing is the rhythm that is in his playing. Well, I can give an example of it. Um, There was a a person who attended uh, a workshop that Jimmy was involved in in teaching tunes. And the person came away from the workshop and said to me, he says he plays very simple music. And what he meant by that was the tune, the, the melody, the tune was very easily learned. It wasn't complex. Mm. And to a degree that that, that, that was true. Um, uh, a lot of his tunes didn't have a terrible amount of musical or uh, melodic complexity. But what I said to the individual was, go back and listen to that tune that he taught you, the recordings of the tune and try and play it with the rhythm that Jimmy Campbell plays. And I saw the individual a number of weeks later, and the first thing, the first thing he said was, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I, that he was listening and listening. He could easily play the melodic line, but he couldn't put the rhythm in it. And what was brilliant about Jimmy's music was... The, the, the rhythm that he could put in it, particularly in, in, in old house dance rhythms like the Highland, uh, the Mazurka, the, the German, which, which is a barn dance. If you listen to him playing those, those are all tunes that he would have learned again going back in, in those cottages, in the crows, playing for house dances or just gatherings of his neighbours. And he was playing for dancers. Mm. And you... Whatever about the melodic line, if you're playing, if you're playing for dancing like that, you have to be very specific and very 
precise about how you give the music to the dancers to dance to. Mm. And they were excellent dancers there. So there, you know, it, it was serious business. But Jimmy, as I said, learning th that that atmosphere, he was just breathing in tradition. And it was no it, it was no difficulty for him to pick that rhythm up in his music and incorporate throughout his life. He, he never lost that. He never changed that. He had he had that brilliant danceable old old rhythm and no matter how easy you think his music might be it, it is tremendously deceptive to, to listen to and then go back and try and translate the rhythm that he plays with mm. I, I often think that if anyone wants to play uh, Highland which is a, a very Donegal rhythm if you want to play it and play it right play it like Jimmy Campbell played it um, you have a, a very curious polka here as well uh, amongst the tracks that you picked. Tell, tell me about this. This is um, this is a measure short, I believe. Is that right? It, it, it's a polka. Yes. And it was going uh, going back uh, going back in in a generation at least before Jimmy's time. It was a, a relation, an uncle relation in the family. He was Condy Condy Campbell. And uh, it was at a time when there was a when there was a, a wedding, and uh, there were no fiddles uh, fiddles available or fiddle players around. So going, it was a very simple uh, social circumstance of wedding at the time. You went, you got married, and you returned to the bride's house, and you you had a, a bit of a meal and a dance, and that was it. And uh, with no fiddles, fiddlers being available at the time to play for for the dancers. Condy Campbell, the relation of Jimmy's, was was asked to lilt for the dancers. So the first tune or the first dance that the couple did was this polka and Condy lilted the polka and he would have lilted all night going through. But eventually somebody within a day or two asked him what was the name of the polka that he lilted for the couple for their first dance. And they said, um, well, there was no name for it at all. So they christened it Mark Owen Chan, the Gusini and John Kit. Mark Owen Chan, uh, Owen Chan's son. Yeah. Uh, Gusini and John Kit, the daughter of John Kit. So the tune ever since has been known as Mark Owen Chan, the Gusini and John Kit. But the interesting thing about it is everybody learned it from Jimmy. And it's so familiar to us that, that the instinct is it's a full and complete tune. But it was only within the last year or two transcribing it out, we, we discovered that the first part only has seven bars and the second part only has seven bars. <laughs> so, so each of the parts is short one, one measure. But, uh, but to us, playing it, we're so familiar with it, it always seems like an absolute full, uh, full tune. But, yeah. um, but it was one of, one of Jimmy's big tunes to play. He loved telling the story of Condi Campbell and the fact that uh, his family was associated with it. And, and listening to it, it does sound like a, it, instinctively it feels right. So, so anyway, look, we let the audience decide. Here it is now. Marco and Sean, Agus Inin, Jan, Hit.
Quivy Mackay in more recent years uh, Jimmy Campbell was living back in Donegal and I think he was a regular he was playing a lot in, in sessions and, and everything around the place he was uh, he was enjoying himself in his in his later years in Donegal I think he was um Jimmy was a, a fixture uh, in the in the Glenties area. Uh, you could find him any Friday night uh, in in the Glen Tavern in Greenlands, the townland of Greenlands, up in the Crows. It was his uh, it was his natural uh, home place to go to to play music himself and Peter. And when uh, when we still had Vincy, uh, Vincy was would be there playing as well. It's a tremendous centre for uh, for music, fun, and enjoyment. And again, in in that very traditional. Uh, traditional uh, atmosphere. It's a, it's, it's a venue that the, the Doherty's would have been very fond of frequenting. So there, there was always tremendous music there. And the centre, always the centre, since he came home, always the centre of activity of, of any music uh, music playing or fiddle playing would be Jimmy. And uh, and it, it was it was a great place because of him, and and it was a place he enjoyed very much. Peter, uh, Jimmy's son, would 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 always be there as well. And uh, he he would have um, played quite regularly down in Glenties, and uh, would have always been part of the the Carters and the Fitzgerald events in uh, in Glenties, as well as the Donegal Fiddler Summer School in Glencolum Kill the first week of uh, August. Jimmy and Peter would play for the for the dancing classes and often play for the concerts. Uh, he was. A, uh, he 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 had that almost childlike innocence excitement about fiddle playing if a fiddle uh, if a fiddle uh, came out whether, whether the circumstances had the potential of the good the bad or the ugly uh, jimmy would immediately have this wondrous um, excitement about him and even if it was the bad and the ugly it would turn good because of jimmy he would he would just make the the social event of fiddle playing uh, a wonderful experience um he was a great man for the road he enjoyed uh, he enjoyed Traveling and meeting people to play. He, again, in his in his retirement years, he literally would have uh, he literally would have travelled internationally to play and perform, and was always tremendously well received because, again, of that uniqueness uh, of being a tradition bearer, but a natural tradition bearer. He was someone who didn't learn it from a book and perform it. He, what what he did, what he said, how he said it. And how he played it all had that high skill level of someone who learned it uh, naturally in a traditional culture. And, and audiences picked up on that immediately. Well, look, it's clear from uh, speaking to you and um, uh, hearing from others as well that his his death uh, leaves a, a great void up in, in Donegal and in music in general, in, in, in Irish music in general. He was a huge loss for his family and also uh, a loss for his friend, Danny Meehan, who, like him, lived abroad and, and then moved back eventually. Yeah, I think I think Danny said it for us all. Uh, I went to tell Danny um, about Jimmy's passing. I knew he was going to take it hard because they were so close. They used to say about George Best that he was the fifth Beatle. Um, Danny Meehan was very proud of the fact that he was the third Campbell um, because of his, his, his size and his affinity with the Campbells. He was very proud of that. But I went to tell Danny that uh, Jimmy had passed away and when I had said it to him, he just quietly lowered his head and after after um, after a period, he raised his head, and the, the inner poet uh, in Danny came out, and he just simply said, "I'm diminished as a man for hearing of the passing of Jimmy Campbell." And that that that's that says it all. Um, 
we're we're all we've all lost something very very big and very important to us and very dear to us on a personal level whatever about the music he was he was one of the greatest of men and you could really admire him so um it, it came as a body blow well, um, as you said, he played often with and passed the music on to his son, Peter. And um, we're going to finish uh, this conversation with a tune from Jimmy and Peter. I don't know, would you like to introduce these for us, Chivin, the, the two highlands? Yeah, this is essentially the, uh, the Campbell's National Anthem. Uh, they, were the, they were the go-to tunes for Jimmy and Peter and Vincey as well. Uh, highlands are so popular in Donegal uh, as a dance rhythm. So they would have uh, they would have always been very uh, excited about playing these tunes. Um, again, there 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 are three highlands. The first tune is a. They all come from uh, from Scottish tunes, as the case with most highlands. The first one is uh, a well known tune called uh, the Money Musk. The second one is known in Ireland, well in Donegal, as the sinking of the Titanic, but it it derives from the Scottish famous Drummond of Perth. And the third tune is the familiar uh, uh, tune played in Scotland as a reel, the High Road to Linton. But they're put together as a set of three highlands, played in that unbelievable highland style that, um, that, that Jimmy and Peter play in. Okay, well, we'll have a listen to those now. And Huibi uh, Mackey, thank you very much for being with us to talk about uh, Jimmy Campbell. Mila Fáilte Rúdhífa. Listening to the Rolling Wave podcast for rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of the tunes, just go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this interview was first broadcast on the 13th of February 2022. Till the next time, Guramila Mahagi, Agus Sloan.